Well, good morning. How's everyone today? I'm good. Yeah, that wasn't convincing, though. How you guys doing? Yeah. Should be excited to be here, right? Absolutely. I'm excited to be back with you guys. Um, although, you know, I had a bit of a shock uh, driving through town the other day. Tell me if you guys noticed this, but right next to the coffee shop, there is a blow-up snowman and Christmas tree. I mean, what's with, what's with this? Christmas in July, I've never heard of that. Never heard of that. But then I did realize that there are only 146 shopping days left till Christmas. So you only have 146 days to find that perfect gift for me. I'm, no. Perfect gift for that special someone. You can think of something for me. But. Well, most of you know that I spent quite a few years working in the healthcare industry. And the majority of that time was spent working in and around teaching institutions. University hospitals that were dedicated to educating the next generation of physicians. And there was something very profound that I observed during that time. And I've done my best to carry that forward in my life, really in every aspect of my life. See, what I observed is that learning, learning should be and is a lifelong process. The pursuit of knowledge, friends, it never ends. It never ends. And I've heard myself many, say many times over the years, you know, if you're not learning, you might be dead. Learning is a lifelong process. The other thing that I found very interesting in that particular environment was that there was a hierarchy of learning, if you will. You know, the hospitals were filled with third and fourth year medical students. And they looked up to and learned from the residents. There was a lot of book learning that went on, but the experience of others is an invaluable teacher as well. And then, of course, the residents, they looked up to and learned from the fellows. And the fellows, they looked up to and learned from the attending physicians. And friends, even the attending physicians, with all their knowledge and all their experience, they continued on this quest to learn. They read journals and they attended conferences and they sought to learn from, from peers with even more experience than they had. Even the most experienced physicians recognize the fact that they will never know it all. Sometimes they acted like it, but they knew that they would never know it all. They understand that their job is, yes, to treat patients, but it is also to grow in their knowledge of the field of medicine. Well, believe it or not, there is much that we can learn and emulate from this model. I want you to know, dear friends, that this is the approach that we really need to take in our spiritual lives. 
as we strive and continue to grow in the knowledge of God, and that is our lifelong goal, right? We've talked about this in the past. Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3 that our aim is to grow in the knowledge and the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our lifelong goal is to grow in the knowledge of God. And as we do that, we're going to learn today that this model that we just described is actually how we're supposed to live in Christ. So today, we pick back up in our series of messages, Wisdom for Today. And in this series, if you're just joining us, we're studying the first nine chapters of Proverbs. And these first nine chapters, these these collection of poems that we've been looking at and studying, they're written by one of the wisest persons to ever live, Solomon. King Solomon, son of King David. And in this collection of poems, Solomon describes wisdom and he details the benefits of seeking and walking in wisdom. Now, if you recall, in week one of our series, Solomon started, he started us at the very beginning, right? The beginning of Proverbs, yes, but he started us at the very beginning of wisdom. And as we seek to grow in our knowledge and grow in our wisdom, it's important to know where to start. And that's why we've been trying so hard to memorize Proverbs 1, verse 7. Now, you guys have had two weeks to pull this together, so let's do it, right? Proverbs 1, verse 7. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay, we're going to have to work on that a little bit. But what Solomon is telling us here is that it all begins with fear of the Lord. But it begs the question then, what exactly does it mean to fear the Lord? You know, does it mean that we, that we view God as this angry and vengeful being up in heaven just waiting for us to screw up so he can fire one of his holy lightning bolts down and smite us? Is that our view of God? Is that what it means to fear God? No, absolutely not. Fear means, friends, that we recognize who God is. We recognize God as the creator of the cosmos. He is the creator of all things, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's the creator of all things seen and unseen. And he is the sustainer of all things. He holds the entire cosmos in his hand. It all falls apart without him. He's the creator and the sustainer. So we recognize who God is, but we also, friends, must recognize who we are in relation to God. We are His creation. He created us. David reminds us in Psalm 24, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And friends, that includes us. 
He created us, and because He is the sustainer, we are dependent on Him for everything. We're dependent on Him for, for life. We depend on Him for every breath, every heartbeat. We depend on Him for our daily bread. All that we have is a gift from God. And we must recognize that because we depend on Him to sustain us. And, of course, we recognize ourselves for what we are, and that is sinners. We are stained by sin. We are in need of salvation. And friends, our only hope is found in the cross of Jesus Christ, the shed blood of the Messiah. We can never forget that God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. And it's because of that, it's because of all of that, who God is, who we are, our sin, our salvation, because of that, we respond. We respond. We respond with the awe and the reverence and, yes, the fear that the God of creation is due. I love the way Charles Bridges defines fear of the Lord. He says it's, that affectionate reverence by which the child of God bends himself humbly and carefully to his father's law. Friends, we love God. We love God. It's the greatest command. Love God. We revere him. We humble ourselves. We bow down before him and we follow him and we obey him. And friends, that's what it means to fear the Lord. And that is the beginning of the beginning of wisdom. And what we've been learning in the ensuing weeks is that this wisdom that comes only from God is critically important in our lives. Friends, godly wisdom is invaluable. And it will help us stay on the right path in life, right? The path of wisdom, which leads to life, as opposed to the path of foolishness, which leads to death and destruction. Godly wisdom will help us to make good decisions, to stay on that path. It will help us to be able to trust God with everything. We see the value of godly wisdom, and that is, friends, why we seek it with all of our heart, all of our heart. Now, our message for today is entitled Embracing Wisdom. And what we're going to see is that Solomon really continues to urge us to seek wisdom. And he points us to a very important tool that we can use, a hierarchy of learning, if you will, very similar to what we described at the very onset. You may know it as discipleship. Our scripture for today is found in Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 27. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Proverbs 4, that's going to be where we're going to kind of live today. And really what we see from the very beginning, from the first three verses, we see this discipleship, this hierarchy of learning. We see it described. Solomon writes this. He says, listen, my sons to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. 
I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. So here we see this, this, this model of discipleship that we want to, no, we must emulate. And just so we're very clear here, I want us to understand what discipleship is. Friends, it is the process of intentionally equipping others with God's words, God's commands, really God's wisdom, in order that they become better followers of Jesus Christ. And then those people go on to disciple others and equip others, and so on and so on and so on. And in Proverbs 4, we see this modeled in a family. A father pouring into his son what his father poured into him. Three generations of learning, increasing in knowledge, increasing in wisdom, being discipled from above, and then discipling down. And this, friends, is something that we should strive for in our Christian lives. We should always be discipling. We should always be pouring in to others, pouring into others what God has blessed us with. And we should always seek to be discipled. We should seek the wisdom of someone probably more spiritually mature, seek the wisdom that they've gotten from God. We should always be discipling and we should always seek to be discipled. And it can be within a family. That's what we see here in Proverbs chapter 4. And we know that as parents, we are charged with the task of discipling our children. If you recall, we talked about this in week 2 from chapter 1, verse 8. It says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. And what that tells us here is that the primary responsibility for teaching children right from wrong falls to mom and dad. First and foremost. But you know, we want to broaden this out. We want to broaden the scope of this. Because not everyone has children. Not everyone's a mom. Not everyone's a dad. But friends, we all need a spiritual father or a spiritual mother. And we all need to be spiritual children. And, and that way we create that hierarchy of learning that these opening verses here describe. So who is it that you are discipling? Who is it that you are pouring yourself into? And who's discipling you? I want us to all think about that in the coming weeks. If you don't have someone, I want you to think about who that might be. Solomon continues in verse 4 and he says, Then he taught me and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. And here we see the father passing on what his father shared with him. 
God's commands, God's law, God's wisdom. And again, I emphasize, friends, that this is the responsibility of all parents. We, we know that kids learn from their parents, right? And they learn the good and they learn the bad. Kids are always watching. They're always watching and they're going to learn from you. And friends, that and that alone should put the fear of the Lord in your heart. And if you're not pouring the word of God and the truth about God into them, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? And what's going to fill that void? Verses 6 through 9, Solomon, he he describes the benefits then of of what he says in verse 5, and that is getting wisdom. He says, do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Here Solomon, he just he continues the remembrance of his father, of, of, of King David's words. David taught Solomon that if he stayed on this path of wisdom and loved wisdom, it would protect him. It would keep him safe. He taught Solomon to value wisdom above everything else. Give everything for it, he says. The pursuit of wisdom, friends, has rewards. He talks about honor and a crown of glory. This is what David taught Solomon, and Solomon is teaching his sons this very same thing. Discipleship. Solomon goes on in the following verses to encourage his son to receive and take firm hold of of wisdom. He says, listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Now, I honestly believe that in some sense, Solomon is exhibiting a feeling of what you might consider appropriate satisfaction. And we get that more from the English Standard Version translation of verse 11, because it says, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of righteousness. In other words, I have done what I'm supposed to do. I have done my job. I've passed on the wisdom that God has blessed me with, the knowledge of God. And as parents, we want to prepare our children, right, to succeed in this world. And in order to do that, we must pass on to them the wisdom and the knowledge of God. But the truth is, friends, as parents, 
We know that sometimes children will reject wisdom. Sometimes children will go their own way. I did it. I did it when I was younger. I rejected wisdom. But our job is to share that wisdom with the next generation. Discipleship. Solomon warns us then to keep our hearts from the path of the wicked. Keep our, our hearts off of the path of foolishness. He says, do not set your foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go your own way. For they cannot rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep until they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. Now, does that kind of sound familiar at all? It, 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 it really should because it sounds a lot like what we read in chapter 1, in particular verse 10 and verse 15. But see, Solomon understands that we learn best by repetition, right? Isn't that true? We learn best by repetition. How many times did you have to repeat Proverbs 1 verse 7 before you had it memorized? Maybe you need to repeat it a couple more times. But we learn best by repetition. You know, it's interesting because what he says is, is don't take the first step. He says, don't even take the first step. Because you run the risk of getting sucked into an evil vortex. Friends, I want to share the truth with you about sin. And this is the truth about sin. Sin will take you further than you ever intended to go. It will keep you longer than you ever intended to stay. And it will cost you more than you could possibly imagine. Friends, that is the truth about sin, about this path of foolishness. Do not even put your foot on it. Don't even step on it. The old saying is true. You play with fire and um, you very well could get burned. As Solomon continues writing here, once again we see you know, the two options, right? The two paths in life. The path of righteousness, he says, or the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of wicked, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. And friends, this is just a perfect metaphor for life. The light of God as opposed to the darkness of sin. You know, it says the path of the righteous. But what do we know about righteousness? 
Are we in and of ourselves righteous? No, absolutely not. But friends, the righteousness of Christ is credited to us. It is imputed to us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, through the cross. That is our only hope of living in the light of God in this life, but for all eternity as well. If we don't place our trust in Jesus, we're all in deep darkness. We're just, we're just stumbling through life, doomed to an eternity of darkness, separated from the God of creation. Choose wisdom. Choose the path of the wise. And then Solomon continues with another appeal. He says, My son... Pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So we see that twice in those verses there, Solomon mentions the heart. He's not talking about the physical heart, although it is important to care for your physical heart. See, in, in the Hebrew of the Old Testament, the heart, the heart refers to the very center of one's being, the very center of one's existence, the soul, if you will. The heart is not just the core of affections, which it is, but it is also the seat of moral purpose. It's the seat of will. It's the seat of intelligence. It's the seat of wisdom. That's why Solomon says everything you do flows from the heart. In the New Testament, Jesus taught about the heart a lot. In Luke 6, he says, The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, again from the heart, produces evil for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks and what Jesus is saying here is that we bear fruit according to what is in our hearts you know later in Proverbs 23 Solomon says as a man thinks in his heart so he is so if everything flows from the heart friends it is crucial that we take care of it and that we guard it. And how do we do that? Well, Bible reading, prayer, corporate worship, what we're doing right here. But friends, this is where discipleship comes in again that hierarchy of learning that we talked about. We need to be accountable to one another. We need someone discipling us, and we need to be discipling another. That hierarchy of learning that we talked about includes a hierarchy of accountability. We all need a spiritual family to guard our hearts because we know, we know that we are not meant to walk this walk through life alone. We need discipleship. We need accountability. 
And friends, that is the kind of community that I just pray about for Hope Church. I pray about this for Hope Church. And, 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 and I pray that, that we would build that kind of community. And then in the last three verses, Solomon speaks to, to what flows out of the heart. He says, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. And Solomon really speaks to three points here. And and we could probably do a sermon on each one of these points, but very quickly, the first thing he mentions is the mouth. Our speech. Take care what you say. Words, friends, are powerful and you cannot take them back. They are forever out there. And, and never forget that God is one of your listeners. God is one of your listeners. He hears everything that you say. Second, our eyes. Our eyes. Our eyes should be fixed on the path of wisdom in front of us. We should guard our eyes and be careful what we fill our sight with. When you sit down in the evening to watch some TV, you think about like Jesus is sitting there with you watching the same thing? Because he is. We need to guard our eyes and what we fill our sight with. And the last thing is our feet. Solomon says, give careful thought to their paths. And when is the best time to consider any path? Is it at the end? Is it in the middle? No, it's at the very beginning. Like Solomon said in verse 14, don't even take that first step because the results could be disastrous. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. Stay on the path of wisdom. And how do we do that? We talked about it a little bit, didn't we? But, you know, we also know that we're going to fail at times. It's just the truth. And the only hope we have is in the fact that Jesus has already paid the price for those failures. But by the power of the Holy Spirit... We are being sanctified, right? The power of the Holy Spirit enables us to to act more and more like Christ. And it's that same Holy Spirit that works in and through us and in and through our brothers and sisters to help each other along this path. Discipling and being discipled. That is embracing wisdom. So who are you discipling? And who's discipling you? If you don't have those relationships, friends, I encourage you to find someone. Find someone. Maybe you're thinking of someone right now. Ask them. Call them. 
I'll bet you they'd be willing to meet with you on a regular basis and begin this relationship of discipleship and accountability. Let's build this community. Let's build this network of brothers and sisters, this hierarchy of learning and accountability. Because that's how we're going to spread the gospel. That's how we're going to guard our hearts. And that's how we're going to stay on the path of wisdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and praise you. And and Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you for our community our community here at Hope Church, Lord. And I just pray, I just pray for our, our, our people that, that, we would, that we would seek out these relationships, that we would seek to be discipled, and that we would seek out others to disciple and pour into. Lord, you've called us to do it. And we want to be obedient to your word, Lord, because that's how we're going to grow in our knowledge and grow in our wisdom. Father, guide us, lead us, continue to teach us, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.